the Cannabis Business Coach. Hi, Mike Z here, author of the Cannabis Business Book, and you're listening to the Cannabis Business Coach Podcast, where I chat with and coach the highest performing entrepreneurs in the cannabis industry. Hi, Mike Z is. Hi, Mike Z is. Hi, Mike Z is. The Cannabis Business Coach. Hi, Mike Z here, and on today's episode of the Cannabis Business Coach Podcast, I have the wonderful Tanji Daniel, CEO of Jane Green and Jane Green Beauty, and this is a special interview for her, I realized, because she's actually, and this is a special interview for me, because this is the first time I have someone on the show who's actually leaving the industry after many years, and I'm sure we'll get into that and touch on that. But um, Tanji, welcome. Happy New Year. Thank you for being here. If you don't mind, can you just introduce yourself more in depth to the folks who may be watching or listening today? Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on your show, Mike. So as he mentioned, my name is Tanji. I'm the CEO of Jane Green. Jane Green is a full-service connoisseur consulting business, and we specialize in legislation education. So we do a lot of consulting with legislators. We do a lot of consulting with business owners and investors who are trying to get into the industry. And we also work with patients as well. Um, And I'm also the CEO of Jane Green Beauty, which is a luxury skincare line enhanced by CBD. So I'm so excited to be on the show. And I'm, I'm so excited to unfold and talk to you about everything we got going on. Awesome. Wonderful. And I feel like looking at the camera, I need to get me some Jane Green beauty because I'm uh, my skin is not shimmering quite as much as yours so I gotta I gotta step my game up <laughs> so Tanji let me ask you how and why did you decide to enter the cannabis industry that's a great question Mike I actually decided to get into the cannabis industry after I got home so base I'm a Marine Corps veteran and so I did two tours in Iraq and when I came home I was diagnosed with insomnia. I had a lot of nightmares. I had night sweats and I had anxiety, chronic neck and back pain. And so every story that you hear from veterans are true and every story is unique, but I was given opiates from the VA and those did not work for my body. It didn't help me at all. And so I decided to seek natural alternatives. And once I started to really like try cannabis At first, for the first two years, I thought it was just a a hoax. I thought I was just, you know, using something and it worked, but I wasn't really putting faith in it. And it wasn't until I moved to California and I got around a group of other veterans who were consuming cannabis and actually using it as a treatment option instead of the opiates. I started to, you know, really dig deep into the plant into plant medicine and really starting to understand like, why is it illegal? Like what happened? And, you know, why is this plant so amazing? Why exactly does it work for me? And so once I found out about the endocannabinoid system, once I found out about neurotransmitters in my brain and why PTSD was happening with veterans, all of that just really made me go down this rabbit hole that I never really came up from. Honestly, I still am so passionate about this plant. I love it to death. You can't shut me up about it. Um, And so that's how I got into the industry, just being a veteran and and turning that horrible situation into a positive one. Well, first of all, let me just say thank you for your service, first and foremost. It's my experience, by and large, consistently has been the best advocates and activists I know are all veterans. Just get shit done. 
<laughs> that won't take um, no for an answer at all. <laughs> right, right. And and I actually I had a similar experience as far as getting into it where, well, a little different, of course, but you know, I was a consumer but didn't know anything about it. And then when I started learning even just like the basic stuff, I was just like, whoa, what like how come no one ever told me about this? How come no how come everyone's not freaking out about this? I and then you know, obviously I started. All right, I'll 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 be I'll I'll be the guy who freaks out about it and gets people uh you know active and informed or at least try to. So anyway, um very cool how you got started. So it's a lot of the you know just being in your community of veterans and seeing the impact and how helpful it was for veterans which unfortunately are still really hamstrung in being able to get access and support from the VA. You're in Georgia. We're having, we're waiting on those election results today. And I'm curious to, so I'm gonna ask you a couple of different questions here in one, bear with me. So one, I'm curious to hear just about the state of the industry in general and, and legalization in Georgia. And then two, I'm wondering if, if you have a view on, you know, let's say Georgia goes blue, which is looking like it is, you know, and we have the Biden administration coming in. A lot of people are optimistic about all that. And I'm wondering if how you think that might affect policy, especially as it relates to veterans and, and VA support and, and getting more access to, to cannabis medicine for vets. Great question. So the first part of the question was in the state of Georgia, right now we're looking at, um, if, if people don't know what he's talking about, we're looking at two Senate seats. And um, if we get these two Senate seats, then that means that the Senate will be 50 House, uh, 50 Democrat, 50 Republican. And the final deciding factor for the vote will be the vice president who is a Democrat and so she is the one, the Vice President Kamala Harris-elect, she's the one that introduced the MORE Act, which is the Marijuana Opportunity Reinvestment Expungement Act. So we're really excited about these two seats because we want that MORE Act to pass. Now, me personally, the MORE Act is a real, is really kind of controversial to me after I finished reading it because of the fact that they added language in there that specifically excludes felons with a drug felony. And that really affects the Black and brown community a lot. And so to legalize it and then to exclude an entire group of people, again, just makes it counterproductive. So it's kind of 50-50 with me in this, but the reality is if we do get these two Senate seats, then we could get the more act to pass, but it also couldn't pass as well. Um, the Republicans could still block it, you know? So it's really up in the air if it goes. But the opportunities in Georgia are big because we have the world's busiest airport. We are the number one state to do business in in the United States. We have about 20 Fortune 500 companies that are based here in the state of Georgia. So the opportunities here for legalization, when it does happen, is going to be major. It's going to be big. We have two bills here, HB 324 and HB 213. Um, one is the Georgia hemp farming act which legalizes hemp so that's awesome that's a really great bill um it's fifty dollars an acre and they cap it at five thousand dollars so that's that's you know more lucrative option for our farmers and people trying to get into the industry the other one which is our low 
low THC oil marijuana bill, that was extremely expensive to get in. It's only six licenses that you can qualify for. And those are big, large scale corporations that will be able to come in and do that, which takes out the, you know, the, the small business owner. It takes out uh, veterans who are trying to get into the industry as business owners. So it's really counter counterproductive as well, but the opportunity is there if you want to get in. Now, when it comes to veterans having access after the legalization of the MORE Act, I always try to remind people that veterans are the largest consumers of opioids besides the elderly. So it's not um, in lobbyist favors, it's not in pharmaceutical companies favors for us to get legal access to this plant, which is why it's been stalled so much. We have, you know, a research act that's been stalled for years that just asks the VA to research how it affects veterans and how cannabis can be helpful or hurtful or harmful to veterans. We're just asking for research and that's been stalled for at least two and a half years. So I'm not as optimistic as other people um, but I am hopeful that we're going in the right direction. Yeah, thank you for that. And I know Georgia is a huge agricultural powerhouse and pretty progressive as far as uh, like sustainable agriculture and local and urban agriculture and like converting, you know, like abandoned spaces into indoor farms and all that stuff. So, you know, to me, it's like, I mean, it's not so surprising that things haven't moved more because, you know, it's the East Coast has been slow and the South is even slower, but the, just the opportunity there is is massive. And, you know, it, it sounds like what, what you described, not the hemp bill, but the other one, it sounds like that, is that for medical only? Is that right? It's Absolutely. So it's 20 grams of liquid cannabis. You can't even have the flour, no edibles, no nothing. You can only have the oil right now. You can have transdermal patches, you can have salves. But um, again, those companies are vertical integration. So you're not allowed to, <laughs> everything has to be under that one roof. They're going to sell it. They're going to manufacture it. They're going to process it, grow it, everything. And that's, um, you know, not leaving a lot of room for anyone else to access the plant. And then they're fighting to make sure that once they establish themselves, then when recreational does come down, that they have first dibs on that and then they close out that market to anyone else. It's extremely selfish. It's extremely counter, again, counterproductive to the, the whole agricultural community. If you just allow people to grow, then we can have, you know, communities or co-ops that could work very well in this in this state. And so it's it's extremely unfortunate, but that's what happens when big lobby dollars come in and it's, you know, profits over patients. Yeah, unfortunately, that's been been the trend and it seems to be the way that things are, are unfolding, which which is sad. But, you know, we, we still that's why we do what we do and try to try to advocate for for the folks that really need this the most, including the patients, the veterans and and everyone else who's really suffering from the pharmaceutical <laughs> industrial complex, but I, I'm not gonna go too too far into that. Tanji, I wanna ask you, in cannabis entrepreneurship, how has your military experience and leadership skills that you gained in, in, in the service, how has that served you? How has that translated 
um, into, into your business? Or, or maybe what's, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give you this option too, is what is maybe some of the biggest, one, one of the biggest leadership principles that you've took from the military over to, to your business or businesses? That's a great question. So what I learned in the Marine Corps, I think just leadership and being able to, I'm a great leader and a great follower. I think I took that from the military. I really am. And I can be either and play my position accordingly, but I know what I know. And I'm, I'm able to stand on that confidently in any room that I'm in. And a lot of rooms that I've been in, uh, just been in the cannabis industry eight years professionally now, I've been in rooms where I'm the only Black woman there. I'm the only Black person, period, in that entire room. And so being able to stand up and say, okay, well, let's look around, especially in rooms where I'm talking to legislators and, I, and we're trying to draft laws and we're trying to make it fair and equitable, but we're not listening to, you know, the, the statistics that are present. Like we can't ignore how we got in this situation. We can't ignore the ramifications of the war on drugs. We can't ignore the laws that have hindered, you know, people from entering a business that should have thrived and should have been exploding in the last 80 years and yet it's been stifled. And so I'm extremely confident in my knowledge. So I take that in my leadership positions. And then when I recognize that someone is in a position that knows more or is, you know, has not even knows more, but in a position of power. I've been in rooms where there's powerful people there and they might not know more than me, but they can get more done than me. And so I can recognize when I'm in that situation and I can fall back and I can listen and I can I can lend my advice and my expertise when needed and, and I can shut up when needed as well. So I think that's very important. A lot of people just wanna dominate or they wanna come in and they don't wanna listen. And I think that's gonna be detrimental with them moving forward and progressing in this industry because it's, it's small and big at the same time. Like it won't get any smaller than what it is right now. And everyone knows everybody at this point. And so I think it's a great characteristic to be able to lead and follow. Awesome. And then you work on a bunch of different projects. You have several different businesses. I'm curious, what are you most excited about right now for in, in the stuff that you're working on? I am, you know what, I'm most excited about a couple things. So I do a lot of consulting and the skincare line is awesome, but I've, I've recently just pivoted and started to really focus on our second amendment rights. And I've really started to really recognize just as ignorant and ignorant meaning lack of knowledge, just as ignorant as people are on cannabis, they're equally as ignorant on their second amendment rights and gun laws and how to hold a weapon and how to even be around a weapon and so that to me has been very exciting to to learn legislation in that realm all over again and just to be a new student of a new industry that I don't even know about you know just like that hunger for more knowledge and more understanding of how we got here it's always an origin it's always a beginning as to like okay what 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 begin all of this so that we don't have access or the access has been limited in this area or you know it's completely outlawed and when it was legal at one point in time so once you start to really dissect and get to the bottom of things 
I'm just excited about, you know, the knowledge that I'm about to gain in this new world and being able to, at one point in time, connect the dots and merge the two and like, okay, just because we're a cannabis patient or, you know, consumer does not mean our rights should be taken away from us because you don't do that to alcohol patients or people taking opioids or, you know, or any other, anything for that matter. We're legalizing mushrooms and now that's a thing, you know, and I'm, I'm a believer in psilocybin as well. But I don't think your rights should be taken away from you just because you choose to consume in other ways. Absolutely. So I, I hear a couple of couple of things that I want to touch on. One is, you know, I, I like to joke that cannabis was my gateway drug into being politically active or even even caring, honestly, even paying attention. And so I love what I'm hearing from you is. You know, you're kind of taking the activism skill set that I'm going to assume you nurtured and developed through cannabis. And now you're taking that over to other areas, which I talk about that in, in my book that, you know, this is one of the things I'm most optimistic about in the world in general is that people like you, people like us are going to come alive or find that, find that passion in cannabis, develop those skills and then once you have that, once you know how to work and engage the system, then you can move on to other issues and make a change and make a difference. And so I'm like really excited that in the long term, cannabis is going to create more activists and more and hopefully revive like a spirit of civic engagement and responsibility. So I hear that that that's happened for you, which is super cool. And I, you know, until you said it, I like... I never really thought about it, but yeah, absolutely. Like all these other issues, you know, there's a story there. There's like a, you know, it's not just like, we, we, I feel like it's so easy to just take the status quo for granted as like, yeah, it is what it is. Cause that's how it's been. But it's like, once you look into it and it's, it's incredible what you'll discover. And so uh, I'm curious to ask you a little about, you know, second amendment rights and, and all that, but I first want to just say for the folks who might not be aware that in, I don't know if this is nationwide, but I, I feel like pretty much almost anywhere at most states, definitely the majority, and you could correct me. And if you're a medical cannabis patient, you forfeit your right to bear arms or to own a firearm or get a gun license or any of that stuff, which is absurd. You know, it's, there's really no good justification for it because what if I take, you know, cholesterol medicine, like I shouldn't, now I can't have a gun. It, it makes really, it, it's like a very arcane hangover from the laws around cannabis or marijuana. To your point, it puts patients in a situation where now I have to choose between, you know, this right or my medicine which is, you know, what's fair about that? Not much. So I'm curious if there's, you know, if you could share like just a little bit on the story, the history of, of Second Amendment, you know, like something that most people wouldn't know about, you know, the same way that most people are pretty uninformed about cannabis. Like what's something that we might not know? Because I don't know much about gun rights and all that. So I'm curious. These are, I'm so glad you mentioned that because that is exactly the, the case. If you have a medical marijuana card, 
in any state, then you're, you no longer have the right to bear arms. And a letter came out from the United States Department of Justice. They did it in 2011. So it's been out since 2011. And they specifically wrote a letter to firearm licensed dealers. And they said that if you suspect that someone is under the influence of cannabis, or if they, um, you know, are an unlawful user or addicted to any controlled substance, then you are prohibited from shipping, transporting, receiving, or possessing firearms or ammunition. And so what they've done is completely stripped you of your right to bear arms, which is in the constitution. And so, you know, everyone seems to want to fight for things, but they don't understand when you break these things down, everyone is not equal under the law. And that is what's so unfortunate. And so you're absolutely right. I'm taking those skills because I wasn't, you know, a civics servant. Once I got the military, I was like, I'm done. Like, I'm good. I've done my due diligence for the country. Okay. But once I started to realize how important supervisor board meetings were and zoning committee meetings and talking to your city counselor and, you know, going to the state and lobbying on that level, I am going to transfer those skills over into, you know, um, the firearm industry so that we can make change there. They have a little bit more established regulations, obviously. Um, they have federal law already. It's federally legal for you to possess a firearm, saying a, a medical marijuana card. So, once you have rules in place, I just need to know how to play the game. That's how I am. And so now that I recognize that people have to fight for their Second Amendment right and for the right to use the medicine that they want, a natural medicine, no, that's absurd and that's egregious. So um, taking it to the state level. And as a veteran, I'm able to get in doors that other people aren't sometimes. You know, you are obligated to listen to me. <laughs> I definitely fought for this country. I'm going to tell you every time and remind you. So that's, I think that's been my calling for the last, you know, few months. And it's something that I'm so passionate about. And I remember this passion when I first entered the cannabis industry. So I know I'm headed in the right direction and I know I'm being used, you know, to fight this fight for a reason. Oh, that's awesome. I want to share with you, this is something I learned recently about so my family's from the former Soviet Union. That's where I was born. I immigrated on 420. So I joke it's my destiny to be doing this cannabis related stuff. But what I learned recently was that when my parents were kids and all the kids in, in school, like a normal thing for all kids in school was to learn how to clean, load, take apart all sorts of guns. And that was mind blowing to me. But there, and my mom was telling me like, yeah, when I was a little girl, I knew how to clean an AK-47. I don't know if it was an AK-47 or something less heavy duty, but I'm pretty sure it was an AK-47. <laughs> and I, I'm just like, you know, just the thought of like, you know, a class full of kids, you know, it's like, it sounds so absurd. And it made me think of, you know, the Sasha Baron Cohen this is America show where he does like the, the the kindergarten kids with the guns. If you don't know what I'm talking about, check it out on YouTube. It seems so unfathomable that that would happen in America. And yet in other places, that was just like a very normal thing. So it's normal. It's normal. And as it should be like, if, especially if this is your right, right. In order to 
remove fear. You have to educate. And that's literally the same, same with cannabis. Like people are terrified it's this gateway drug. Whole time it's an exit drug. They're completely wrong, completely false, right? And the whole time, this is a tool. And when you use this tool or this weapon correctly, or if you're taught to use it correctly, you remove the fear and you remove negligence. You remove Mm. a person using it in a, in a harmful manner, and especially if you start with young children. And I, I believe that on both sides. I believe when we teach children about the power of this plant, and if we teach children about the power of their rights, then we can start over. Like Because at this point, we have all these people in the Senate that are 80 years old, just extra old, who, have, who are lost when it comes to reality and society and think $600 is enough sustainable right. for, for people. You know, like that's their mentality. They have to go. Like these people have to go. And so that's that's been, you know, my passion and my new fight. And I'm excited. I'm excited. Georgia is excited. We are determined to turn this state blue. And it's not even just to turn it blue because I don't even believe in either party. I want to be very clear on that and on the record. I want to give you the right to hang yourself. If you say you need the Senate, we're going to give you the Senate. You say you need the presidency, we're going to give you the presidency. Now, after four years, if nothing has been accomplished, then then we see that neither party is for the people and we need yep. to change our whole trajectory of how we run the United States. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm laughing because now I'm thinking about the propaganda from back in the day that when they tried to, when they succeeded in making cannabis illegal, cannabis is going to make you a, a murderer. You're going to go on a killing rampage and like all of this stuff that's, you know, so absurd. And then uh, ironically, you had like all these anti-war hippies that they were like demonizing. So it's like, wait, so like, does it make you a violent murderer or does it make or you not. anti-war? <laughs> like either way, it's bad. And now, and now it's like, you can't have a gun if you take cannabis. It's so crazy, but that this is America. So <laughs> uh, Tanji, I want to I want to shift gears. I want to ask you, what's your superpower that or your highest power that's allowed you to succeed in as an entrepreneur in cannabis? That is an excellent question. You know what I think it is? I and I think a lot of people would agree with me. I think it's my brutal honesty. I can tell the truth to myself, to anyone else, even if it hurts your feelings, even if it's not in my best interest, even if, you know, it's going to get some doors closed on me, I will still tell you, and I will stick up for myself too. I remember going in one meeting, in particular, it changed my life. I went in because we they were trying to do a cannabis reality show with me, right? And so I remember like talking to myself in the car because I had no one with me. I didn't have a team at the time. And so I didn't have anyone negotiating on my behalf. So I was, I remember just thinking, I was like, what do you want? Like, what do you want? Just ask for whatever you want. Right. And it was just the most absurd stuff. I was like, I want, I want dinner and I want this and I want executive production rights and I want this. And And when I tell you, by the time I walked out of that meeting, I had everything I asked for. They gave me everything. And I was just like, oh my God, it changed my whole thought process as an entrepreneur. It's like, just ask. The the least they can do is say no. But if you don't ask, then you'll never know. And that was so empowering for me. So I think it's my honesty and it's the fact that I'm I'm willing to ask. Right. That's awesome. I love that. That reminds me of one of my favorite books, is called Getting More 
and it's all about negotiation. It's by like a UPenn professor who's been like teaching some famous negotiation class for decades. And his whole thing, the whole premise is if you just ask for more and make that a habit, it compounds over a lifetime to such a huge difference. And it's, it's just like one of those like simple, simple little things that makes a world of difference. Because if you don't ask, you're definitely not going to get it. And if you ask, you might get it or you, you might get something. And, you know, it adds up. What advice do you have for just in general, people that want to get into the industry, whether as entrepreneurs, as investors, as employees, and then does that advice change for people of color, for women, for veterans? Do they have, you know, any specific things that they should be aware of from your experience or perspective? Great question. Okay. So I, the advice I would have is we have, we have people coming to the industry. I see it growing each day. The problem is, is I want more people to be knowledgeable. I know that this was something that I, and everyone isn't like me, obviously. I, they won't eat, sleep, and breathe it. But I just need you to know, you know, what's happening in your state, what's happening in your city, what's happening in your county, maybe, so that you can help spread knowledge, accurate knowledge, so that we can, you know, organize together and we can fight accordingly. If you're coming with half truth or half knowledge or what you want, but not coming with what is actually happening, for instance, like you can say, you know, Georgia has an amazing opportunities until you read the legislation and then you then you see the holes in it and then you see the corruption and then you see oh wow okay so maybe it's not the best law ever you know so once you start to really get knowledgeable that's my advice for people is you know really understand not only reading the law but understand how you can help improve the law and and being that person that goes down to city hall it's not fun it's 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 tiresome <laughs> and it's gruesome work but you have to do it it's right. literally a show up and show out type industry you have to show up in numbers and show them that you care because if you don't then they're going to think this is not a big deal and i think this is the biggest deal especially for minorities black people in general especially for veterans where 50 to 60 are dying a day due to suicide. It's not 22. It's more than that. And so over uh, opiate overdoses are a problem. And so cannabis is needed more than ever. And this is our number one issue, whether it is the prison industrial complex, whether it is veterans, whether it is minorities, whatever the case may be, this is a problem for America. And until we decriminalize and until we allow people to enter this industry freely, you know, and have a, have a capitalistic opportunity for everyone to excel. That's the opportunity that we need to fight for right now. And so, and releasing people immediately out of jail. I'm so confused as to why we're still locking people up in legal states. I'm still lost on that. So that right. is happening. So um, yeah, the, the advice is totally different for Black people and, and minorities and veterans. It's like, this is our number one issue, like halt everything. And the only reason I'm pivoting is because equally, you should be able to have your rights as a patient. And so I, I'm conflicted, but I, I am so proud of the work that I've done in the cannabis industry. And to be able to pivot that and take it over and put it into a, another industry that's equally as... Um, damaged and detrimental to our health and society is going to you know lend a long way so i'm i'm grateful either way but i i truly think that people need to be more educated right yeah and i i want to just echo what you said because i think 
it's so important. I, I feel like a lot of people don't appreciate that this is what I what I like to think of as an institutional intersectional issue that really affects everyone. And it's not just, you know, I think so many people still unfortunately are like, oh yeah, you want to get high. <laughs> no, it's like, this is such a big part of what you said, reforming healthcare, reforming criminal justice, reforming the prison complex, all of these things, cannabis touches in some way and often in meaningful ways. And, and to your point, the fact that people are still getting locked up in legal states or even in general, and that people are still in jail for past cannabis offenses, a significant amount of people, those numbers are crazy. More than some countries, the only way, and this is why I, you know, ultimately like do what I do is the only way I believe to, to really shift that is by getting the people who don't care about cannabis to care. And the people who are not consumers or don't have a relationship with it, or, you know, it's, it doesn't really affect them, but it actually, you know, my whole thing is like, this affects all of us. And we're in this paradigm shift right now where we have a chance to, to course correct. But if we miss this opportunity, this is a one-time deal. It's only going to go legal again once. And if we mess it up right now, which you know, I'm not gonna, I'll, I will reserve judgment on how we're doing because I'm trying to be optimistic here. <laughs> Are we off? Are we off? <laughs> we don't get it right this time around. We're going to look back at this 40 years from now or whatever. I, I'm afraid to think of what, what the situation might be if we don't get it right. You're transitioning out of the industry, which is like <laughs> a fantasy of mine. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but but it's it's unusual for me because most of the folks I, I have on the show and most of the folks that I, I talk to are you know knee deep in it and and you're you're transitioning out and and it's funny I, I can tell you personally I can relate to when I got into this six years ago when I first discovered all the the facts that I was previously ignorant of I was so passionate about this is what I'm I've been put on this earth to do and like I was telling my friend yesterday I'm like you know, it's like, I've been with, with this cannabis thing for several years now. It's like, you know, some of that passion, some of that, you know, it's not, not as sexy as she used to be kind of thing, you know? And, and there's a part of me that's like, man, like, I wish I had that, that same fire that was, you know? So I, I totally, when I hear you saying that, I totally relate to that. And I'm like, Oh, there's a part of me that's like, hmm, is it time for me to like look for? And you know, don't worry, listeners. No, I'm still. I'm gonna stick with it. I'm not ready to leave. But um, you know, it, it, so it's it's interesting for me to hear that someone as passionate and committed as as you have been and active is is getting out of cannabis. And so I, I'm wondering if you could just tell me a little about that decision and and you know, and, and just the transition, like, how's that going? And, you know, do you think you'll be back in cannabis? Are you, you know, are you getting out completely? Are you still going to do some consulting? Absolutely. So this was a recent decision as of, cause it's already, it's January 5th, 6th right now. So I just transitioned January 1st full-time. I was just like, I made a decision. Um, and that, it's been something that's been weighing heavily on me since my birthday in October of 2020. 
20. And so I once once I found the letter, I think that letter cemented everything for me. And it was it was to the point where I had to ask everyone I knew. I had to ask my PR. And, and that was another thing. I had just got a team. So up until this point, it was just me. And then as soon as I get a team of PR people, I have an executive assistant now. I am really doing big things in the cannabis industry. And it's just like, ah, you know, I, I don't love it like I used to anymore. I love this now. And I, I want to pivot. And I'm and I had to be okay with pivoting. I had to be okay with taking that same passion and fire that I used to have for this one industry and putting it in this one because number one, I truly feel like this is not the end of cannabis for me. It's just a different fight for me. Mm. Also, I believe that cannabis is so screwed up that I have time to leave and come back if I need to. <laughs> I truly feel that way. I don't think anything is going to progress to the point, especially not in the favor that we needed to in the next even 10 years, you know, which is sad to say, but I think we're definitely headed in the right direction. But the fact that we even have this law on the books is something that is so egregious to me that I cannot sit by and know it and then still continue on in a different in the cannabis fight as if it doesn't exist. I can't do that. So it took a lot of uh, counseling. I talked to my brand, my business coach for over an hour on the phone. That was quite expensive, but I needed to do that. And so <laughs> between her, my PR, my team, and then a few tears, absolutely a few tears. I'm not gonna lie about that either. Only because this has been my baby. This has been all I've known for the last eight years. This is not something that I've been dibbling and dabbling in. This is full-time lobbying on in, in DC, you know, taking flights and renting cars and expensive trips and networking and conferences and all types of stuff so to pivot has been something very interesting to me but I recognize that that passion that I had when I first got in cannabis and I first realized they lied to us and they first you know all of that is coming back pivoting into the the firearms industry so I truly feel like I can you know figure out both worlds I'll still do consulting because my my knowledge is my knowledge and I have clients that you know are concerned they're like well what are you going to do about so I'm like if you're if you ever need me I'm still available and I'm definitely going to still keep up with the industry but I recognize to be as visible as I was in the cannabis industry and to try to do that in firearms will be not only um a problem for my business but it'll be a problem for me legally so I'm I'm grateful that hemp is federally legal so you have to know that you know I, I don't have to stop consuming altogether I can learn how to consume in other ways and take care of my medicine in different ways but as far as like marijuana portion of it I'm, I'm done with that part mm. well I want to honor your courage for to leave something that you've been building for so many years and to start new and take a big risk like that is not an easy decision to make and I trust that you have the intuition and definitely the skills to, to make that pivot successfully. And like you said, cannabis isn't going anywhere. Yes, things are going to change and develop and all that, of course. But, you know, it's like people always ask me, like, Mike Z, am I too late to get into cannabis? And I'm like, cannabis will be around at this rate longer than humans. Like... <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, like, clearly outlive us. Clearly. <laughs> right, right. This is not going anywhere. Cannabis is only the industry is only going to get bigger 
And so there's no missing out. Sure, the opportunity set will be different. And sure, it might be harder to kind of get into the, the inner circles or, or whatnot. But cannabis will still be here five years from now, 10 years from now, 50 years from now. And there's still going to be opportunity for entrepreneurs and for investors and for employees and all that stuff. If anything, there's only going to be more. As someone who has made a couple of big career shifts in, in my life, I've always, always been a believer that whatever I've already done, I could always come back to that because I've already done it. I have no doubt you'll be cool. I love hearing that you have a business coach. I, I know we're coming up on time. And so maybe we won't get to do some coaching today, but tell me what it's like working with a business coach, because obviously I'm a big believer of that. Duh. How did you decide to get a coach or work with a coach? And what was your experience like? What's the value of it for you as an entrepreneur? Absolutely. So I, my business coach is not in the cannabis industry and that was helpful and hurtful. I'll be honest about that. That was helpful in a way that she helped me think outside the box, but it was hurtful because she didn't understand the nuances when it came to, you know, maybe uh, setting up e-commerce or setting up, you know, she's like, well, why don't you do this? And I'm like, you can't do that. Like that, you, I, li I literally can't do that. So <laughs> it was helpful and hurtful, but it's, it's something about being able to talk to someone about your ideas and get constructive criticism for someone who only wants the best for you and who only wants you to grow and be better. There's something that like, it's priceless. And so she is amazing. I, I picked someone, she's a Libra, I'm a Libra. So we spoke each other's language. And um, I thought it was extremely helpful. She helped me meet other people in her network that I wouldn't have had access to had I not known her. So there's so many benefits. I truly recommend a business coach, especially if you're just getting in the cannabis industry and you're not really sure where to start. That's what I help a lot of patients do, um, especially if they're trying to figure out how to consume or if they're trying to say, okay, I want to help this demographic because this is why I consume and it's been so helpful for me. I'm like, okay, well, this is how we're going to construct this story. This is how we're going to build out this business plan together and to be able to bounce ideas off of me someone who's been in the industry who knows you know what works and what doesn't that's been extremely helpful to them so I absolutely believe in business coaches I absolutely recommend them I I ask that people do their due diligence you know you know do your own homework see how many results what client testimonials they have and if you can speak to some of the clients I allow my clients to speak to my other clients so I think that's been helpful as well but yeah I definitely recommend business coaches especially for the cannabis industry absolutely I love that and I, I couldn't agree with you more talk to several coaches if you're considering one talk to their clients get referrals or references don't just commit you have to be sure that whoever you're potentially going to work with first of all that you kind of work well together and that they're like you said she's a libra she speaks my language like you that's important mm. you have to feel like this person can understand and relate to you and also that they have the skills and experience and knowledge to actually accelerate your path and help you get to those results and as tangi said coaching good coaching is priceless so yes. when you ask me for my price and I, I tell you the number, 
understand that you're getting a great deal because you're getting a priceless service for just this uh, just a fraction of infinity <laughs> exactly exactly and worth yeah. every penny of it and so and you're paying for access you're paying for time with someone you cannot get time back it's the only resource that we can't you know replenish so at the end of the day mike is giving you his time that he will never be able to get back to learn something that can enhance his skill set, that can make him charge more. So because of that, he's worth every penny. <laughs> I love that. Yes. People, you got to respect that. Anyway, Tanji, this has been so wonderful. I've loved connecting with you and having you on the show. And I hope that when you return to cannabis in a big way, I, I hope I could be one of the first interviews you do whenever that time may be. And before I let you go, because I know you have a meeting, I just want to ask you if you have any parting words, if there's anything that we didn't cover, anything for the folks who might be listening that are either trying to get into this industry or thinking about it, or even anything that you want to say, I just want to give you a, a chance to make a final comment. As this is probably my last cannabis interview, I'm for right now, I'm so excited that it was with you, Mike, and I'm so grateful and thankful. This has been a great interview. I will say as my parting words, like cannabis has been the best thing that's happened to me in the last 10 years. Like the people that I've met, the experiences, the places, the countries, I can't even stop smiling about it. And you'll never be able to shut me up about the beauty and the power of this plant. And I truly, I truly encourage anyone who's on the fence about it. I don't know why you still are, but if you are curious about trying it, go for it, you know, and I definitely would pick something in a, that's been lab tested and safe, obviously, but at the end of the day, it is a medicine and it is going to bring you back into balance and it has changed my life for the better. And so business-wise, I could never have been in the rooms or the places that I've been without it. So I definitely recommend you getting into the industry as well. And baby steps, you know, put one mm -hmm. foot in front of the other. Don't try to just leap out there and be on stages and speaking and stuff. Just learn. And day by day, you'll learn something and you'll get better and better and you'll be on Mike's show next, okay? So <laughs> thank you that. so much for That's having me. That's awesome. Oh, well, it's been my absolute pleasure. Thank you for making the time for me. And I'll just, just to echo what you said, one of the favorite things of my journey has been meeting so many people and hearing their stories of how cannabis has changed their life for the better, whether it's their physical, spiritual, emotional, or financial health, just the power of this plant to, to heal and to grow and to help is just so astounding. And it's really phenomenal to be a part of. So I, I want to thank you again for your service, Tanji, not just for in the Marines, but in the cannabis army. Keep on smiling. You have a beautiful smile. So take that smile with you to firearms and to, to whatever endeavors lay ahead for you. And I look forward to having you on the show in the future when, when you make that cannabis comeback. All right. I can't wait. I can't wait. Hi, Mike Z is. Hi, Mike Z is. Hi, Mike Z is. The cannabis business coach. Hi, Mike Z is. Hi, Mike Z is. Hi, Mike Z is. The cannabis business coach.